What's up, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Terror Table, a horror movie podcast. My name is Mitch, and I'm one of your regular co-hosts that you hear every single week. And with me today... Uh, I'm Boozy. Boozy. The yeah. boys are back. It's They're a gruesome In twosome. town, even. Yes, absolutely. Speaking of in town, quick shout out to Nathan Jones. I met Nathan yeah. Jones yesterday. Went for... Uh, took him for a smash burger. And uh, Nathan Jones, previous guest of the show, folks... Um, right. he was, is that a euphemism like smash burger is that like code no, for nathan something? jones is the euphemism oh okay you ever been nathan jones <laughs> no shout out that was awesome getting to catch up with uh he was on our episode for the whaling and uh we've been i've been on his show uh his youtube channel and i believe boozy's gonna be making an appearance real quick here soon Yes, um, we had some some issues, which, you know, the scheduling conflict, we we're supposed to do this already, but we're going to get to it. We're gonna I only it. like issues when it's corn's issues. Oh, my God. Me, too. Thank you so much for let's just talk about corn now. Yeah. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the nudist podcast. Yeah. Welcome to the nudist colony, everybody. <laughs> um, all right. But yeah, no, we are back for another fun episode where we're going to be talking about absentia from 2011 which was boozy's choice and i'm excited to talk about that in the main feature Hell um yeah. but we just finished up our ghost series our haunted house series we did an episode on shark exploitation and guess what baby we're right back to ghosts <laughs> we we took ourselves out and then we're like hey we're not finished yeah we're not finished we're going just around. when we thought we were out they brought us back in just when you thought it was safe to be a ghost again <laughs> Um, I'm very proud of the shark exploitation episode. I think that it's cool to do something a little bit different, like a documentary. Um, and I still can't remember if we ever did one before that, but it, you know, it was, it was cool to do something different and actually like give ourselves little assignments based on. Yeah. Yeah, no, we should definitely do it again. I actually had something I wanted to mention today and I guess I can just do it right at the top of the show. Um, but something I wanted to pitch to you too, is I, if we want to do more documentaries, I would love to talk about Leap of Faith, the uh, the William Friedkin on The Exorcist, um, uh, because oh, our boy yeah. William Friedkin passed away over the weekend. Um, this has been a really rough week, I will also say. Yeah, so rip to uh, William Friedkin, as well as we just found out today, RIP to Lil Tay, the youngest flexor out there. I didn't know who Lil Tay was until this morning. <laughs> well, now you know. Lil Tay was the youngest flexor. Yeah, not to make light. I know nothing about Lil Tay, so I'm not trying to make light of uh, a death. It sounds horrible. I, I don't I don't know if this is someone that like do, do we do we dunk on this death or is this like no a no no, no 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 I I think that this was um this was this was somebody who was trying to to gain a little bit of internet fame and clout and they got it at a very young age. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, uh, not, yeah, not, not great. So I, I guess I actually did want to say, like, cause she was entertaining for a while. Yeah. So RIP. Yeah. RIP. And like, I, absolutely no disrespect to Lil Tay. I just, I know nothing about Lil Tay. <laughs> no, I know. I know. But also, like, most importantly, like, RIP to like William Friedkin. Yeah. Man, fucking, like, like legend. William, William Friedkin. Like, that one really, really, uh, bumped me out for obvious reasons. If you listen to the show and if you, it can imagine guys who host a horror movie podcast like it's the like the director of the exorcist debatably not even debatably in my eyes i just i've always said it, it's the best horror movie of all time um i know it's not everyone's favorite but i think it is the best horror movie ever made it does everything that this genre strives to do all in spades in one movie and uh, it, it's it has stood the test of time um it's one of my most watched movies it's one of the most influential movies on me 
William Friedkin as a director has just grown in my like, you know, I've always loved William Friedkin movies. But when I decide to take the plunge into filmmaking myself and become like, you know, go down this path, like, of course, he's mm-hmm. he's at the top of the cake to, to study. Even his movies that aren't straight up horror mm-hmm. um, have played such a big part in my upbringing as a film fan, not even as a filmmaker, just as someone who consumes movies so frequently. Uh, like, you know, he directed The French Connection. And one that's become one of my favorites is uh, Sorcerer. If you haven't seen Sorcerer, yes. Boozy, I think you would uh, love I that haven't, one. but I know that, that John is also um, a huge Sorcerer yeah. fan. I'll I'm going to be talking s- about John today as well, by the way. Perfect. You were, you were watching John. Um, I also want to say in terms of his filmography, another one that uh, you co- you got me on to, but Cruising as well. Like what Cruising. a... What a what a wild and um, like ahead of its time and and really yeah. what it dug into as well. No, it's it's a uh, it sucks. Like you know, he died at eighty seven, so of course the man lived a life. Yeah, he definitely he did this thing. You never you never think about your heroes like dying unless you're Seb. Like Seb, he likes to go out and collect souls. As we said, he'll go to conventions and get pictures with people so that he can post them when when they die. Yeah, <laughs> it's very scary. Uh, but you never you never think about that with people like Friedkin. And, you know, it got me spiraling because I was like, we were coming home from Seattle. We had a weekend where we went to a metalcore show and I like open up my phone. We're hitting the road and I'm like, first thing I see is rest in peace, William Friedkin. I'm like, God damn it. God damn it. I didn't should not have woken up today. That's um that that's the worst when you you get unexpected bad news when you're you're out of because you know because we're in constant contact with you know news in the world so when you actually are cut off it's like when you get off a plane and it's like oh what the fuck happened while i was in the air for two hours yeah oh i know like there was um i don't know if you saw that thing about there's like a lady who went and lived in a cave for like a couple years and and then they went and got her but like she completely missed covid so, oh my god what a play. yeah so they had to like explain like the the world what had happened in like the last two years and she was just like oh i thought i was only in there for like five months and it was like two years or something anyway that that's a side note she didn't turn into like a descent creature or anything so no she needed another five years for that <laughs> she wasn't done yet <laughs> throw her back in yeah but no shout out and once again like one of my favorite stories that i've shared on the show so many so many times is like going back to the first five episodes like the days of me working at a video store uh, I would have people come in who I really didn't like, and it's like I'd always want to send them home with a movie that they would hate. And mm-hmm. Bu- Bug by William Friedkin was always my go-to. <laughs> have you seen Bug? Um, I want to say that I have, but I can't remember. I, I think you would really like Bug for you know, for obvious reasons because I know you're a Bug man. But yeah. uh, but there, it's so much more than that, and it's it's a fantastic movie. But it is, is that just... the one where it's uh, like a couple and they're in a, an apartment? Yeah, Ashley Judd and Michael Shannon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a it's a fantastic movie. I really love that movie. But uh, there's so many. Like I spent, we got home on Monday, which was a holiday for. I think is it just a yeah, it's just a Canadian holiday. Um, but yeah, we got I, home. I didn't and, even know what holiday it actually is. Yeah, I have no idea. All I we know have is weird holidays that like we don't even know. We're just excited that they happen. Exactly. It's just an extra day for us to sit around and watch William Friedkin movies, which is what I did. I watched uh, Friedkin Uncut, the documentary. I'd seen it before, but I I don't know if you've seen. I posted on my socials, but there's like an incredible interview with William Friedkin and Nicholas Winding Refn, the director of Drive and Only God mm-hmm. Forgives. And he's just bodying the man. It's so funny, like just roasting him. And it's like, <laughs> who would have known Billy Friedkin's the king of sting? <laughs> 
you know what? You took the words right out of my mouth in a weird way that uh, I was going to say, like, do you think people called him Billy or Bill? People call him Billy all the time. Yeah, but it's usually like close friends call him Billy. Right. I I just find it hard to like, I can't imagine calling him like an 87 year old man, Billy. It's like you've outgrown that word. And it's like, imagine like for me, like, you know, one of my other favorite directors who's, you know, on the cut, like he's, he's very old right now and he shows no sign of slowing down is Martin Scorsese. If I were Mm -hmm. to meet Martin Scorsese, I wouldn't walk up and go, Marty. (laughs) Hey, Marty. Marty, my boy. That's how I feel about Roger Corman and like knock on wood, but that dude just like, it doesn't seem like age like like time affects him he yeah. just is, is constantly happy Man, and big knock on wood <laughs> yeah big knock on wood yeah um, but do, do you want to talk about what we've been sizzling yeah lately? yeah yeah no we started off a little dark but it's gonna we we, we, we had to pay our respects man it's uh exactly one of the kings but yeah let's get on to what we've been seeing what we've been doing so boozy what have uh what have y'all what have you, oh, been up you to? want me to go first i'm gonna sift through the things that are kind of mediocre until i get I, i've seen a lot of things but i just want to get some stuff out of the way that I, I watched that wasn't so great so the first one i want to mention is 1998's disturbing behavior this oh is my on, god <laughs> this is on tubi <laughs> dude uh, directed you remember... by scott rosen or by david nutter and written by scott rosenberg yeah do you remember me talking about this show this movie on the show before i think that's why i made it onto my watch list and then i saw it there and oh yeah it's a like urban legend era like post scream mm-hmm. james marsden katie holmes fuck i can't even remember who else is in that movie There's catherine so isabel ethan emery uh, yeah yeah william sadler bruce greenwood oh a lot of people love this movie where are they point them out <laughs> nick stall yeah how could i forget Dude, nick stall this movie is the most try hard shit i don't know why there was a weird point in like the 90s this it they go so deep into like this the classisms of school and stuff and it's supposed to be mm-hmm. kind of this dystopian like stepford wives Big uh, time. like yeah, there's this this uh, professor who who basically is like churning out these kids at this special school that are like perfect students and like basically they're all just jocks and like mm-hmm. like preppy people. All it does is turn them into like popular people. Um, yeah, come to our and, school, you'll be hot. I, yeah, and it's just it goes really into this like classism of it. Nick Stahl does such an I, he is really good in this. It's always He's always um, good. I honestly like I don't know a ton about Nick Stahl, but the the performance in this really won me over. It's like, wow, I wish he was in like I, I wish I knew more things that he was in. Maybe I have seen some. Did stuff you see just... you saw Hunter Hunter, right? Yeah. Yeah. He's in that. And he's fucking fantastic. And that movie's so good, too. Yeah. And I was just like thinking, like, even just he in this era, like he did such a good job of being that like misfit kid. Yeah. Um, but but overall, this is yeah such a forgettable like any like practical effects they have is basically people's eyes just changing color and then they get mad and attack people um i i kind of wrote it off as um a way shittier version of the faculty in every way possible that's what it's always been to me is like it's been marketed as the same type of feel of a movie as the faculty it's like the faculty is just the good version of this and like you said the glowing eyes like i always thought the opening credits to goosebumps with the dog Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that's what it gives me those I, vibes and i'm yeah I, now that i think about it this is your fault that i watched this because i 100 picked it up from hearing you talk about it i'm sorry 
no I, no it's it, to, to be fair i said worse. it was terrible like yeah. i've always like i remember i loved this movie when i was a kid when i didn't know movies could be bad because this came out i think the same year as batman and robin which i famously say it was the first movie i ever realized that movies could be bad <laughs> i didn't uh, know that mine was dude mine was phantom menace i know fuck and phantom menace rules I like Phantom I know, Menace. but when you're a little kid and like yeah. you've just watched Empire religiously, when you see that, it's just I don't know. It's like I formulated real opinions while for sure. watching that. And that's a correct opinion. Empire is like a million times the movie Phantom Menace is, but like yeah, yeah I don't know. I've always had a soft spot. It's just, for that that's one. that's where it hit me in my my formative years. Um yeah. anyway, so that that was yeah, that that can stay in the nineties, honestly. Uh we don't yeah. need a, a reboot or a TV version or any of that shit. It um, sucks because it's got all of the trappings of a great 90s high school movie. Um, I actually was reading about this and it sounds like it kind of got gutted from what it was supposed to be. I, to me, and I know there's there's defenders of this movie, but to me, it's like Wes Craven's curse. That's like there's no such thing as a version of this movie that was going to be. Right. As you can good. say as much as you want that it was like meddled. Yeah. 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 Um, all right. Yeah. So that's that disturbing behavior okay i will knock one off as well i'll do a quick one just like i said we were in seattle and like uh i don't know if you've been have you spent much time in the states no like uh under two weeks did you feel the grunge mentality while you were there i actually 100 did because we saw a show at the you are wearing flannel right now i am yeah i am and even yeah like uh, i was with nathan jones last night we got a picture and he sent it to daniel and chris and all those homies and Daniel's first response was wearing flannel like a true Canadian. I was wearing flannel <laughs> yesterday, too. It's just but, it happens to the best yeah. of us. But I did see uh, the show I went to was at the Crocodile, which is like a famous venue that Nirvana used to play at all the time. And Pearl Jam, all those classic That's bands. fucking tight. Yeah, it was it was awesome. But um, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. No, we were there and they like, only had like cable. So we were like, oh, only cable. <laughs> But we were like crippled hungover. So we just were like, you're waiting for the show to start. So we just like were surfing the channels and like you have to do the actual like going channel to channel. Holy yeah. shit, are there some wild infomercials in, in the States? And like, I can't believe like they feel like I think you should leave sketches, but they're real. Dude, I, I have one for life alert where it's not oh, that's the actual one. life alert. It's yeah. um like a subsection of it. And these two people have a conversation where they're talking about like subsections of articles in these like pamphlets. And mm -hmm. it's so specific. So I get what you're talking about. Yeah, I'll send you. I actually like I was laughing so hard at a couple that I looked them up on YouTube and saved them yeah. in a note in my phone because I was like, I can't believe this is real. Um, I like but, reading the comments for those because it's other people seeking out like, does anyone else think this is this fucking weird? Oh, yeah. Well, I, I had to save them because I was like, this. these are all things that Jason Hamill would make, ironically. Yeah. And it's like, these are real. But anyways, in between They're stealing his shit, in between those infomercials, uh, one of the only good things on at the time was The Lost World. So I just want to give a quick shout out that I rewatched oh. The Lost World. Oh, baby. Which I know you're a big fan of. And huge. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. Boozy's a huge fan of The Lost World, and I always have been as well. Like, I wouldn't say a huge fan, um, but I do think it gets a little bit of a bad rap, especially after watching it again. Um, and keep in mind, like I said, I was watching it with a couple of my homies. We we're all on the bed, just like watching Steven Spielberg's couple of homies Lost on the bed. Yeah, that's yeah. that's a perfect. You know, if that was happening in the '90s and you guys were 12, it would be like the perfect day. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it really was, especially watching The Lost World. 
But the Lost World, it's like, you know, what can I say about the Lost World that hasn't already been said before, but I just wanted to toss it in because I know how big of a fan you are of it. Um, obviously, for me, I think it's like nowhere even close to as good as the original, but mm-hmm. it's a really good monster movie, man. Like there is so that movie's balls to the wall, front to back chaos. And that's I what it may that's, be. That's what I appreciate about it is, yeah, it's it's not um, it's not on that same level as the first one. There's not that iconic feel to it, but it really yeah. does feel like a. It's like Halloween too, you know. It's like super. It's, just it's more. more violent. Yeah, it's more size violent does matter. <laughs> more they, carnage. They fucking go to San Francisco. That's they do. wild as shit. They do the King Kong thing. The only thing that yeah they did do the King Kong thing. The only thing that still pisses me off till this day is I'll never forget the feeling I had when I watched it the first time at home before my parents got divorced. Uh, I was watching it, and when the dog gets eaten at the end, I'm like, unnecessary. Yeah. Like, take that part out, and we I'd bump you a full star. Yeah, like, send the kid out there. Yeah, eat as many kids as you want. I don't give a shit, but don't kill the cute puppy. Um, but yeah, that was, that was fun. I just wanted to quickly mention that one. I, I'm not going to spend a bunch of time on it, because I know we've done we've talked about those movies a lot. Um, I'll do a, another one quickly here, not so quickly, but a movie I actually watched last time I was in Saskatoon, uh, that I just keep forgetting to talk about on the show is it comes, which is a Japanese horror movie, um, from 2018. It's originally titled Kuru. Um, but I want to mention this cause this was a movie I went to friend, listener, uh, comrade, homie of the show, John Allison. I went over to his place. Comrade. Yeah, went in, went over to his place and was like, let's just watch a movie tonight. Like I, I was in town for a little bit, so I wanted to catch up with the people that, you know, I really want to see in. John was one of them. And I was like, I, I want to watch a movie with John in his dope ass setup. Yeah. Uh, for those of you who can't remember or don't know, John is the director of the Dark Bridges Film Festival, as well as Saskatoon Fantastic. We've had so many amazing nights at his place, just in his home theater, watching great movies that mm-hmm. you can't really find anywhere else but John's house. And uh, he really, really wanted to show me this movie called Kuru, or the English title, It Comes. So yeah, it came out in 2018. It was directed by uh, Tetsuya Naka- Nakashima, and it's based off a book, but the synopsis is, one day a visitor leaves Hideki a memo of his unborn daughter's name, Chisa. Two years later, Hideki's house is attacked by a sinister presence. To protect his family, Hideki asks for help to perform a ritual to break an unknown spell. So this is like, it's a very, very, very wild Japanese horror movie that's split into three acts, and it just progressively gets more and more fucked up as it goes. It's like super atmospheric, but manic as hell. And you will see some grim imagery in this film that I don't think you'll find in many other places. And that includes a literal river of crying babies. So if you're in the mood, yeah, there was multiple times where I was like, (laughs) oh my God. And it is one of those movies that's like, it just hits over the two hour mark. Right. Um, But if you're a fan of, you know, Japanese horror in general, and you haven't heard of this one, John's been singing the praises for this thing as long as I've known him, pretty much. I think we mm. became close in 2018, which is when this movie came out. He saw it at Fantasia and has like a really fond memory of it. Um, and I can see why. It's it's really, really strong. Uh, but it's a very creepy, wild ghost movie. And uh, yeah, it's definitely one that I think... I haven't heard many people talk about it. I've mainly o- only ever heard Big Jimbo, Big John, Big Jonathan. Uh, I... I will bad, add the bad boy to, film festivals. 
the bad boy of film festivals in himself um i will add that to my watch list because that sounds pretty cool um, yeah it's, and it's wild how often do you get a chance to see a river of babies I that's mean, what i said if you even if you're not you know like if that doesn't interest you it's kind of the spectacle of you it you gotta see one in your lifetime yeah it's, it's like if you things. go to the grand you know if you're around the grand canyon you fucking gotta go even if exactly. you don't want to yeah you get it. a river of crying babies grand canyon same, <laughs> same thing yeah ballpark ballpark but uh yeah shout out john because i know i have no idea if he's thinking this i just i know he especially likes the episodes of the, sh- the show when it's just you and i and it's obviously because we're close buds and he likes just listening to us ramble because we've had so many nights on his couch uh, talking mm-hmm. shit about movies. Holding like, hands. Holding hands. Um, you know, learning the cool sex moves from John. <laughs> he's Yeah, he's like, guys, forget what you know at the door. <laughs> forget everything you think you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, shout out John. <laughs> yeah, I miss John. And I, I live in the same city. I just haven't heard from him in a little bit. Um, yeah. is, it, uh, is it my turn for it's a go around? <laughs> All right, I checked. Holy fuck! I'm starting to realize that a lot of these are just movies you talked about and that I wanted to watch after. Uh, I I checked out Poltergeist Two, which is also on Tubi. Um, what year did is it? 1990. Oh fuck! No, 86. Yeah, Uh, I did a pretty shit job of reviewing those movies on that episode, but I think I was just so excited to be with Zach, and I like didn't go deep on two or three. But I guess I sold you on watching two. Yes, I, I think it was really just the, the practical effects that really got me. Um, I just wanted to see, you know, the, the cool ideas that they had for this, which they did have a couple. Um, I I hate saying just go for it, man. I, I, saw, I saw your letterbox. I yeah, I, I hate saying this because I do this with a lot of these films. But there's a there's a certain point where some of these just aren't great. And I watch the whole things, but I'll go like basically is like, the last half hour is really the only interesting shit that happens. I I kind of like um oh what's the old guy's name? The creepy old dude. Julian Beck who plays Kane. I does such a good job. I think he is very creepy whenever he comes around. He's got cool lines. He uh is a slug at one point that crawls out of the dad's mouth and then Which is formulates the best, the best part. I get that it, what it was trying to do with some of the the creepier scenes but i don't think it truly captured you know what makes the original creepy and i know like it's it's got the original cast and everything and they're they're continuing it right from where it is it's just uh at certain points it's very maybe it's just an 80s thing but there's like oddball humor that's supposed to be like charming but it's not um, a lot of it comes from like uh, Craig Nelson. <laughs> I don't know. It's just he, Craig he's trying to the best in those movies. I don't know. He just he's trying to be likable and it's just not working for me. Really? He's so yeah. likable in the first one. I don't know when the last time you saw the original, but like that's what makes that movie. That one's work been so a while. Well. No, and that's what I, that's what I mean is I feel like because I haven't seen the first one in a long time, but this one everybody doesn't seem as as likable, and they they throw in a weird like first nations angle mm-hmm. we're, they do we're, in the first one too but it's kind of funny that they just let this dude like live in their house they never really address it that much he just it's just kind of like my buddy he just hey man, to... it was the 80s it was the 80s if we had it if i had a nickel for every one of the like what like my friends that would move in with my parents without them knowing same with my sisters we'd be rich rich folks <laughs> but um, i guess it so... is the parents who let them in 
it's it's true but he just he makes himself very comfortable i i'm yeah. glad that he was there for good not evil yeah uh, i kind of want to watch poltergeist 3 because that's also on tubi i'm not gonna lie i do think that you have a better chance of enjoying just knowing and i know something else you're going to talk about today and this will tie back to it but knowing what you like about movies and what you watch these schlocky 80 movies for 80s movies for mm-hmm. there is more for you in poltergeist 3 but there's like almost no world where I would recommend Poltergeist three over two to other people, but that's what right. makes you so special. And I, I, I love special. that. Yeah, I, I love it that. makes me want to watch not all of them because some of them shouldn't ever be watched, but it makes me want to watch some of the other Amityville movies. Yeah, there's a couple that I feel like oblig- like I still haven't seen that one. It's about time. And apparently that is one that is like pretty entertaining that's the clock one right yeah 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 but it was i, second... I want to see uh, up to like i think anything after like i'll say 97 i don't want to watch yeah it it <laughs> comes like the what's uh with what's it called amityville like it was the second one that really turned me off from wanting to watch anymore it's like and it's not even like a horrible movie it's <laughs> just that movie's so gross and so grotesque yeah. um that i'm like by the time i watched the second one because I'm I'm not like you. I don't jump right into the Stepfather three. Uh, I got to go from the beginning. I love that you still remember that. Of course, I love it. And it's same with the uh, also shout out Daniel Epler, which I'm going to be giving another shout out to. But he uh, he gave you a shout out on one of his episodes talking about Wishmaster two. Did he watch it? No, he hasn't watched it yet. But he was oh. talking on his YouTube channel, and he had like the Wishmaster collection. He's like, I've never seen Wishmaster two, but I have a friend who hosts the Terror Table podcast, and he swears by it. I'm like, God damn it. Oh, boozy. shout out. Thank you so much. Shout out, uh, Daniel. Love that guy. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It, it sucks to hear that you didn't love it. But honestly, I, I wouldn't have recommended Poltergeist 2. But that, that goes to show I never know what to recommend to you. But that's what makes you fun to watch right. movies with. Well, you know what? And I, I thought it was, it's really fun is that, yeah, I, maybe this wouldn't be considered something I typically enjoy. But I'm always hoping to find like... You know, it would be really cool if Poltergeist three and four were just in that ballpark of being interesting, you know, like stuff like that. I'm always hoping for that. Yeah. You know, you can't go in expecting that because that's you'll get let down a lot more than you think. Surely agree with that. Yeah. Um, well, I think if you if you're up for it, I would brave three. But God damn it, man. Rewatch the original. Like, I should, the original I is so good. I will um, never. I was listening to you talk about uh, that. Was oh my gosh, which episode was that? I, you was and Zach, yes, Zach talking about like even the the remake, and I oh, forgot. So I cleansed that from my memory, but I forgot. Like they, oh, man, like how did they make that shitty of a movie? <laughs> they really did that. Yep, it's no, but you you were right also in saying that Nightmare was worse than that. It is. It's yeah, close it's, though. Yeah, it is close um okay awesome so yeah that was poltergeist 2 i got one more but i don't want that to deter you from talking about six more if you have them because i just want to listen to you chat today um (laughs) but i'm catching up on ones that like these are all there was a little while there where i was watching a crazy amount so i was like i'll save this one for next week and that's what happened with it comes yeah and i'm gonna do the same with this one also it comes another ghost movie so this the last like two months of the terror table has been so much ghost content but i'm here for it I don't we're, know if the listeners possessed. are, but yeah, <laughs> we are. Uh, but yeah, so speaking of the Cobwebs channel, I actually just watched this episode today, the Cobwebs YouTube channel. I watched The Haunting of Julia a couple months ago. So The Haunting of me. Julia was released in 1977, and it was originally titled Full Circle. 
Um, but yeah, the reason I mentioned cobwebs is because, uh, yeah, I've been crushing that channel like a madman. Like the, Daniel's been putting out so much great material. And every single time I watch one I of those episodes. I gotta get on that. I it's fun. Like that. Daniel's just such a likable dude and he knows his shit. He is hundred percent. He's all like no bullshit, straight movies. And that's mm. like what you want from someone who you're trying to like find movie recommendations from. Yeah. Um, every time I watch an episode, even if they're super old, I never forget to smash that motherfucking like button. So if you check it out, do the same thing. Because Daniel's oh, doing I'll great start work. Commenting over there. And he's gonna be like, what the fuck? He's doing he went live for the first time as we're oh. recording this. He's live right now. I wish He's we could call him right in. Now. Oh, I that's know. amazing. But yeah, so this one, Haunting of Juliet's directed by Richard Longcrane, who also directed movies like Firewall from I think it was like early 2000s, Harrison Ford, super forgettable movie. Um mm -hmm. Wim Wimbledon, which was uh Kristen Dunst, I think, and it's another forgettable tennis movie. Uh, but then he also directed an episode of Band of Brothers, which is one of the best TV series ever yeah. made. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, this, this looks I'm just looking at pictures of this. This looks cool. It looks creepy. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll just read the synopsis on IMDb here. So after her daughter's death, wealthy American homemaker Julia Lofting moves to London to restart her life. All seems well until she is haunted by the ghosts of other children while mourning for her own. And uh, yeah, this is a movie that I've heard a lot of great things about. It's just always been a blind spot for me. Um, it's definitely like light on the scares, but super heavy on the atmosphere and the mood. It's more of a drama. Like this is like, you know, a lot of people also always credit this movie as like a 20. This is like what an a 24 movie looked like in the seventies. Like what a 24's whole model is, it's right. kind of built off of movies like the haunting of Julia, which have been, they've been doing this for decades. There's so many of them. Uh, don't look now is another great one that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, but yeah, this one, it stars Mia Farrow, who's like, you know, her best from Rosemary's Baby. And I think she's going through, she's going to similar depths in Haunting of Julia as Rosemary's Baby. But the story just isn't as expertly paced as Rosemary's Baby. It's actually kind of a crime to compare the two, but they are so similar in so many different ways uh, okay. that it's hard, it's hard not to. But like in Rosemary, you see her have like a gradual decline with like carefully planned spikes and mania. Whereas the haunting of Julia is like seemingly built to just kind of feed off of the dreary tone and mesmerizing score of the whole thing. And it often just kind of lulls you into a quiet, into like the quieter moments of grief. Um, but it's a really interesting little ghost movie that if you're looking for something, that's kind of more of a slow burn with really solid performances. You could do a lot worse than haunting of Julia. I definitely recommend it. Um, it didn't floor me the way that it did a lot of people, but that's, you know, not saying a whole lot because everyone reacts to things differently, especially when they're films from the seventies that like, I didn't grow up with this. I know, I know some people who grew up with this movie and it has like a super profound impact on them. For me, it's just a really tight little ghost story. Uh, so yeah, that's the haunting of Julia. I am, as you speak, I am adding this to my list because it looks, it looks really cool. I, I think that you, especially when you're talking about like atmosphere, mm -hmm. just, and I'm just looking at pictures on Google, but this, it looks really cool. And I, I'm definitely going to check this out. Absolutely. Where did, where is this? Uh, is this I have the screen. I, it probably is. <laughs> I have the Scream Factory Blu-ray of this. I just hadn't oh, watched nice. it. I bought it a while ago. Um, but yeah, the transfer is fucking awesome on it as well. Yeah, it, I'm looking. Does it say there's a 4K? Yeah, that's on the Scream Factory. That's fucking wild. Yeah, I bet it looks terrific. Yeah, it's good stuff. Uh, so that's everything I got this week. But like I said, go hard, buddy. I want to hear about all the stuff yeah. you've been watching. 
Okay, I got I got three more. So let's do it. The, the first one I'm going to mention. This is from 1993, and I'm trying to remember if anybody else. Yes, 1993, directed by Craig Price. This film is called The Dark. Mm-hmm. I I don't know where I discovered somebody had mentioned this film, and I'd never heard of it, never seen anything about it. And that's what gets me excited about. This is what gets me excited about horror is finding shit like this that I've never heard of. Uh, so this has Stephen McCaddy, Scott Wickware. Uh, oh, fuck. There's a bunch of people in this. Uh, Stephen McCaddy really... from uh, Pontypool, Canadian Gym. Yeah. Um, there's also, a, I believe there's a really young Nev Campbell in this. No. I'm oh, sure. yeah. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. I've never seen this one, but I'm watch- looking at the IMDb and she is definitely in it. Yeah, there, there's some random ass people. And this is like, I think, one of her first roles ever. Um, but basically, this uh, how do I even begin to explain this? Basically, he's like, can I hop in here? Because you posted one of my favorite letterbox reviews I've ever seen in my life about this movie. And I screenshotted it and I want to read an excerpt from it. You know what? That'll probably do better justice than what I could think of on the spot. So please do. I'm going to just skip right to the. Uh... I'm going to read that there's four paragraphs. I'm going to read the middle two <clears throat> because they got the bits in here that I think everyone should hear. One second here. <clears throat> got to clear my throat. Okay. I thought you were going to do like an impression of me. It's like, here we go. Sometimes life imitates art. Our main character, Stephen McCaddy, is horny and on the lookout for mutated rats. I feel much the same. The difference is the rats I'm on the lookout for only exist on the big screen and not gnawing at flannel wearing yokels. I'll be blunt. I don't watch these types of films looking for any real story, acting, or resolutions. I cannot begin to explain anything that happened other than a graveyard is occupied by a giant man eating a rat. There's a scientist, several cops, and a former FBI agent or something. I don't know. I'm here for the rats. <laughs> That's. I, I was crying. I was laughing so hard reading the review. I never know if anyone sees my reviews. And then when you commented, I was like, I didn't know you could comment on Letterboxd. Oh, thank you very much. That was so funny, man. I'm here for the rats. So, well, and that's that's 100%. It's like when you watch Sasquatch films, like the low budget ones, it's like fucking show me it. Fine. Let's see what it looks like Um, with this film. It's the rat itself when they show it. This is another one of those like skip to like the last 20 minutes where you get the good stuff. Mm -hmm. But it basically just turns into all these people running around in this like underground maze that's um, underneath this graveyard. And there's like bones and this like rats been eating stuff. And it's like following them through the tunnel. Like it's the descent. There's some cool shit in here. And the, the rat kind of looks like a werewolf T-Rex monster. And um, it reminds me a lot of, I think we didn't do an episode on it. Maybe we did, but I talked about it, it was like graveyard shift. That's another, oh, we like, did an episode on that one. Did we? I thought yeah, it was a long I couldn't time remember. Ago. Yeah, but that's like reminds me a lot of that. And I think the rats in this are actually a lot cooler, but it kind of does the same thing where it's just people running around the tunnel being like, holy fuck, there's a giant rat uh, that there was one really cool. I wish I would have taken a video of it. There was one cool thing where they had a coffin and they put Stephen McCaddy in it with a, a tracking device and they did like an alien scene. So basically the rat steals the coffin and is pushing him around in it and they're following the tracker. I couldn't stop fucking laughing. Oh god. Yeah, this looks the, great. It's a neat little fucking fit. Honestly, I this um 
I, I love telling people where to find films. So this has been on um this is on YouTube and it's probably been on here for like a decade plus. So if you want to fucking watch it, it's on. I can't find it anywhere else. I'm pretty sure if you look on Letterboxd, it doesn't even show a place to watch it. Yeah, that's that's what makes you become like a next level, like nerd collector, like, you know, us and all of our most of our listeners, honestly, where we have to like seek out these Blu-rays in order to even find a watchable version of them. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I have movies where literally like the all the box art is gone and it's just the the actual disc itself because it was at like a, a Best Buy or, or you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. a, a Rogers video. Like <laughs> it's Shout out. that's true collecting right there. It sure is. Awesome. Um, that's the dark from 1993. And you, I want to see director Craig Price. Did you look in? Has he done other things? I did not look. He did. Uh, oh, the marijuana conspiracy, which is a oh. movie in 2020. Oh man, uh, my my guy's still running. But uh, that's cool that he did this really like bonkers '90s horror movie. Uh, yeah, definitely. If you you know, I know that there are some folks who you know can really get down with the the schlock. So mm-hmm. go check it out. It's it's a fun one. I'm the looking next at one, the, I'm... the back oh, of the box art, and you can see some of the rats. And they, I can see why you like it. This is like a boozy design. Yeah, it's got the elongated it... nose. Dude, I would love to know, like, it would be cool to find somebody who worked on this just to find out, like, where did the rat go after? Because they built this huge fuck. There's not a lick of, you know, of course, there's not a lick of CGI in this. It's this big fucking rat. So it's like, where did it go after? It's a, it's in someone's basement. <laughs> just or it's like melt, melted down and was turned into a fucking a Robert doll. Remember <laughs> Robert? Remember Robert? Shout out, Brahms. Um, so let us talk about my next film I watched. I have two left. So this is my right. second last one. This one is not lowbrow in any way. This is a, a drama. This is a horror. This is very high class, well shot. So this is 2015's Evolution. And this is directed by Lucille Hadzihalukovic. One of my favorite parts about our show is us fucking murdering names. names. Yeah. You know what? The IMDB needs to add the feature where they have the little parentheses beside it that says how to pronounce people's names. Because for fuck's sakes. Um, So this is, uh, I'll give you the synopsis off IMDB. The only residents of young Nicholas's seaside town are women and boys. When he sees a corpse in the ocean one day, he begins to question his existence and surroundings. Why must he and all the other boys be hospitalized? There's a picture. Man, this is a lot like I hate just comparing things straight away. I shouldn't do that. This is this is a very, very interesting. um, It's very artsy, very interesting and artsy kind of film that goes in some very, very strange directions and questions a lot of and pushes the boundaries of like relationships, Oedipus complexes, it all sorts of wild shit. This is a very, um, not to give a whole bunch away, but if you want to see a boy giving birth to a baby, here you go. Oh, hell yeah. That's the kind of content I come here for. Very strange. It reminds me of not that it's completely the same, but like kind of like a cure for wellness where it's like this, hospital drama and it's like unfolding as you go there's randomly these kids find it i think the creepiest part for me is a part that has nothing to overly do with the story 
but these kids find a giant fucking isopod and they're carrying it and like those are one of the grossest things ever so just you love isopods them- Ugh, just watching them touch it just it grossed me out but yeah there's some weird surgical stuff in there um this yeah I, i've never I, heard I, of this movie it's on ifc midnight it looks like it's on tubi yes that's where i checked it out and also looking at this director's name you didn't stand a chance oh my god it's like halfway through they rewrote their name <laughs> <laughs> if i were you i would have abandoned right at the beginning right after lucille like that that's a like that's a mouthful Adza Hila Hilo- Hadzalovic Hilovic. Hilovich. I'm assuming mm-hmm. that there's the, the C at the end turns in which because yeah. this person's like like no no disrespect to the person's name. It's just like us dumb, dumb dudes. Like that that's yo, no disrespect to your last name or whatever, <laughs> no, no. but we can't fucking we can't say it. We don't <laughs> understand. So I yeah, if they're if you're into kind of artsier films that uh, you know, you're you're kind of figuring out the mystery as you go. This one's definitely it. It's fucking bizarre. Okay. And the last one I have to talk about is something I've been very excited to watch and also very excited to talk about. This has been in my watch list all year and it's taken the world by a storm. The hype is real. I checked out A24's latest release. Talk to me. Yes, baby. I forgot yeah. you saw this. Hell yeah. Um, before I talk about talk to me, I just have to have a little rant that it is wild how expensive it is to go to a movie. Now I don't Mm want to go to the theater anymore. It's you have to take out like a fucking loan to go there, especially if you want to get food too. Yeah. They get you with that popcorn, baby. (laughs) And what world is that popcorn worth that much? That's that's how they make their money. Dude, like for two people to go to a movie, it costs like nearly like hundred dollars, five, yeah. no, seventy five. But like, still, that's so fucking much. It is. It's pretty ridiculous, and especially like you end up going to a movie and then you walk out and it's and there's no movie I want to dunk on right now. But like, it, like it sucks going and spending that money on like a movie that sucks. Yeah, and I I love going to the movies. I I used to love going to the movies a lot more because I could afford to. It's just. It is wild that you, you know, like how much they've priced themselves. I, I'm sure that it has to have taken a huge hit in terms of like people wanting to go see movies for spending like nearly like, you know, 15 bucks for one person. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And that's why it gets like so much more frustrating when you go mm-hmm. and like the crowd is awful. Yes. It's like, and then you get AMC ads from fucking Nicole Kidman or Tom Cruise being like, movies are meant to be watched together. It's like, fuck you guys. You're not watching movies in the theater. It's like you you perfectly you can perfectly control who you're watching these movies with. Yeah. And and that's the thing is that like I, I want to. That's why I love going to the Broadway is mm-hmm. that like it's affordable and I can go have that experience with it. And people. you have a good crowd. Exactly. But it's like it, you hate to see this idea of people like, you know, like, oh, nobody ever goes to the movies anymore. It's like, yeah, you have to be in a certain fucking tax bracket if you wanted to go to more than one like a month. Yeah. <laughs> Um, anyway, that's my uh, broke boy rant. I checked out Talk to Me, and you were right. I, 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 there was so much hype going into this, and I was, I was so excited to see where it went. And I just want to say, Mitch, that you were right. I think this is on that same level of like a It Follows or Hereditary, where it's like we're we're experiencing something completely different from what we've seen, 
and and also something that like has, has it kind of changed not changed the game but like it's it stands out yeah it's, it's a marker of its own in the like I, I think it'll be interesting to see and we go in like a, a decade or so we'll watch all these you could do like a documentary of all these little landmarks of when a24 you know it's like here's our big one here's our big one yeah and then um, i think this was their second biggest one yet i think it might have even surpassed the first one um but yeah it's crushing like and it's funny on the last two episodes i think we talk about how i wish there would be sequels for this but a24 just doesn't really do that even though they have mm-hmm. the maxine trilogy whatever they just announced there's going to be a talk to me too and i'm like fuck yeah it's like, already we, filmed yeah we oh yeah they did the ty west thing where they're yeah. like surprise surprise i i'm surprised by that because yeah it's so weird we talked about that i would have not expected them to be like yeah you guys do it too sure why not yeah this one's so like the the concept is so great for sequels and we want to see more mm-hmm. i thought it was it was cool how it, how real they portrayed a lot of the just the relationships and the dynamics of how teenagers work where it isn't so like whimsical and, and dreamy it is like you know kids and teenagers are kind of like fucking wolves or you know mm-hmm. like they'll they'll just randomly like pick each other apart or just decide that to like attack each other yeah so and you see that in the dynamic with all these people and how they they turn on each other or you know display their worst qualities with each other and then in the name of um entertainment of using the the hand as kind of like almost like a drug it's you know the same thing it'd mm-hmm. be like hey let's watch each other do salvia that's what it like oh man yeah totally <laughs> it's like that yeah there's so many different things that you could compare the hand to like what it could mm-hmm. represent and it's like yeah you think salvia or you know even like hard drugs or fucking tide pods or yeah. the cinnamon challenge or that pass out game like where every kid was like almost dying because they're playing these stupid tricks on each other Mm-hmm. And it's all for like attention. It's like and, let's and put it on camera. That's the I think that's they did a, a um is it the Raka Raka is the, the Raka duo? Raka? Yeah. Um they did s- such a good job of playing with that with the audience where you as the audience are watching these kids have fun at other people's expenses and you getting a chance to see what there's what the you know the people affected are seeing. And then you, it goes back to watching the other kids like enjoying it, and it, mm-hmm. it makes you as an audience go like, "Please stop! This person's clearly seeing a ghost." Please, yeah. you know, and they, and they just they're laughing about it and watching people like choke all the time and being like, "Ah, just, just give them twenty seconds." Yeah, exactly. I love that. And, there's so many moments where they're like, uh, they're like, they go so far, and it's like no human would ever want to do that again. But mm-hmm. it shows like the addictive nature of teenagers and like what they what people do for attention and also when they try and wanting to new. fit in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's a brilliant movie. It It is. Um, I, I was really I think this might be Quentin Tarantino's movie of the year. There was some solid so- toe sucking in this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you remember that. Yeah. Oh uh, <laughs> hey, when that happened, I just instantly heard the song that I'd be sucking toes. <laughs> that was one of my favorite scenes because it was so bizarre and nobody expect like I don't think anyone a, expected that, that to happen. What a dunk on Quentin. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I I uh I think you're you're totally right. I've I've talked to a couple people about this as well that this is ripe for 
not just like a, a sequel or a prequel, but like a couple, like this is a huge universe. We, you could open up with this. And I, I just hope that it goes away where they, they make like good investments on those, you know, whatever they do next with that. And it doesn't just turn into kind of a, a goofy thing after a while, because it, it, it does have legs. I think it's a great idea. Mm-hmm. You just don't want to, like smash it it's it's like the way they do with like saw movies and i know i'm talking like way too into the future but it just seems like this is such a a great idea and you have so many things you could do with it yeah no i totally agree i i'm hopeful for it all um i think another reason why i wanted sequels from this movie is like the humor really does land in it there's tons Mm -hmm. of humor in that movie uh like who plays australians just do everything better they 100 do i've been yeah, they they really do, and like the character who plays the mom and talk to me, uh, she has like a really funny scene where she's going around the house and like I, I don't want to spoil anything oh, for anyone, th- but it's like it just added so much levity to like such a heavy movie, and I yeah. don't understand for the life of me people calling this movie slow. I'm like, what the fuck are you talking about? They're getting possessed within like 15 minutes, or am I? Yeah, wrong? they they set it up really well. I I mean, and. <laughs> they well, the they do the, awesome. the great uh like telling you the rules with somebody walking around but i think they did such a good job of spoon yeah. spoon feeding you all of kind of what happens and the lore of this um and going back to that scene you're talking about i also won't give too much of it away but if you've ever been like the other kid in a family if that makes sense if you've mm-hmm. ever been like your friends you know that you'd be over there so much that you kind of got accepted as part of somebody else's family you get that dynamic of oh, the yeah. parents like coming in and, and questioning you about things because you are, it's like, you, you're not biologically my kid, but you, you know, like yeah. I have, I have quote unquote parents that aren't my parents and you know, 100%. Like, and yeah, they love you so much, but they'll never love you as much as their actual kids. So that when things go wrong, like there were so many times growing up where it was like something bad would happen among my group of friends. It's like, well, Mitch must've put you up to this. It's like, go fuck yourselves. Little do you know, it's the kid whose dad is the chief of police in the city. And it's like, he was the ringleader, like the one saying like, whatever we should be doing. And I love that dynamic. And they really explored and talked to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Also that head bashing. Unreal, dude. That's, that's, I I jumped out of my seat because it was like, it was where it just kept going. Mm -hmm. Unreal. yeah. I think that was some of my favorite parts is is whenever um that one kid was conscious was just yeah he's brutal. so good yeah, yeah it's an all timer performance but I'm so happy to hear you loved it because yeah and like we'll do our best because we have you know we've been doing this podcast for how long every year there's always one movie that we just kind of just beat to death by with our we talk love. about too much yeah yeah like that happened with Candyman it happened with uh, Hereditary. Mm-hmm. Um, there's all these all different kinds of movies. Train to Busan, I think, was the first year that we did yeah, the podcast. Like, I don't even want to talk about Hereditary anymore, honestly. <laughs> well, no, because it's like you're doing it a, a disservice almost at this point. Yes. Like with uh, yeah. you know, people are just tired of hearing about it, and like we'll do our best to you know just talk about other stuff. But I'm happy to see that uh, you know, around the table, we both love Talk to Me. It's a, it's a great yeah, movie. Definitely gonna make my top five for sure. One hundred percent. Yeah, did, yeah, they did a great job with the scares. Um, and they also something you'd mentioned before on this podcast, talking about this uh, movie. I can't remember which episode, but just saying about have it just having that really fucking bleak ending. Mm-hmm. It's a great it's, ending. It's tough. Yeah, it's it's a good ending, but it, it's a tough one. Yeah, um, it's one of those ones where I'm like, I 
you know, even I hesitate to even saying this because it makes it sound like I think I'm smarter than the movie, which I absolutely do not. But I'm like, the one thing I'll say about the ending is I don't know how you didn't see that that's absolutely where they're going to go. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I knew it was going to go there, but they executed it really well. And it just it wrapped everything up really nicely. And um, yeah, like I saw the movie with Nick Humphreys and my buddy Pat and like mm. me and Nick went home and we ended up having like a two hour conversation through text. <laughs> and like, that's what happens when you see a great movie. Yes. It just um, rocked us. I, I, I think that you're totally right is that you you kind of do see that ending coming. But what what I will say in that this speaks to the, the movie itself is that I f- or maybe it just speaks to my shitty character. But I feel like I I felt a lot of myself in that character and kind of not, you know, having a little bit of that, like fitting in, but not entirely thing. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's hard to see that character like continuously try to redeem themselves and, and yeah. you know, where where it goes from there. So oh, it just uh, got chills. All, yeah, that's all I'll say on that. So it is, I think, maybe on a, on a personal note, that's what I, I liked about and didn't like about the ending is it just maybe it's not that I didn't like it, but it's just like it. it's tough. Yeah, it was it yeah. was a tough one to swallow. No, and like, yeah, that so much. And, of it and just... any good movie does that, that they can actually you can feel touched in that way. Absolutely. Yeah, it really makes you feel and like that that character that we're talking about for people who have seen it and a way of avoiding spoilers for those who haven't like you really do fall in love with that character throughout the movie. Um, so, yeah, that's awesome. Cool, man. Well, that's talk to me. We uh, and we talk to each other about some movies we've seen. <laughs> what do you, you think wanna... the, the sequel is going to be called? Talk to me. The streets. Oh, dude, it's going to be talk to me, but the, the, two, but the two is going to oh. talk yeah. to me, colon, the streets, the street. <laughs> <laughs> it's got to be fucking homeless people doing it. I just found this hand. You don't want to like... know what I've done with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I laugh so hard at your meme or you're like, look, I'm not saying Oh yeah, all, all I'm saying is, yeah, they're all horny teenagers, and that hand is a hand. Like, <laughs> I'm surprised with how funny these guys were that there wasn't any innuendo or joke about that, like a jerk off motion with the hand. Well, maybe just more about like even like a line about like, eh, what else can this hand do? Because even the the one dude who was like clearly way older than all the other ones. Mm-hmm. He seemed like he he was he had all the jokes he had all the funnies I was expecting, uh you know a little bit I was expecting one of those jokes yeah no for sure um yeah so let's talk to me and we talk to each other about all these awesome horror <laughs> movies we've seen recently do you want to get onto our main feature hell fucking yeah all right we will be back right after this trailer and uh, yeah we'll see you all on the other side. Let's call them lucid dreams that you're having. They started about the time you decided to declare him dead in absentia. You're describing visual, auditory, even tactile hallucinations. He's not the only one, not even close. They declared Walter dead in 2002. I ran into him just last week. You see me? Left behind a son who says his dad was taken away by a monster. It's sleeping. I saw it. You hallucinated it. I saw it. Things go missing in this neighborhood, and those things turn up in one place. I was seeing things too. They felt so real. We found a body in the tunnel. Oh my god! Always in this neighborhood, you lock the door. 
I know how that sounds. You see your eyes? We're gonna need to question you a lot more. I swear to you, I could hear him in the walls. Ah! And welcome to our main feature presentation where we are going to be talking about Absentia from 2011. Uh, this is written and directed by one of the most talked about filmmakers on the show, Mike Flanagan. This is, uh, it's contrary to popular belief, like a common misconception is that this is his first uh, independent fil- or his first feature film. He actually had done three indie features before this. One was called Make Believe. The other one was called Still Life. And the other was Ghosts of Hamilton Street. Um, but this was the first movie that really put him on the map. And mm-hmm. uh, I've, uh, yeah, like I've been a huge fan of this guy. One of, he's, like I said, one of the most talked about people on our show. He's directed movies like Oculus, Before I Wake, Hush, Ouija 2, Origin of Evil, uh, Gerald's Game, The Haunting of Hill House, Haunting of Hill House, Bly Manor, The Midnight Club, Doctor Sleep, and the upcoming Fall of the House of Usher. He also wrote all of these films and he also edits everything he does. Okay, you that. That was something I was really impressed by because I, I saw that he had done all the uh, editing for this. And then I, I went and checked out his filmography. And yeah, he edits most of his shit. That's really yeah. impressive. He edits like, I, so I met him twice. And well, and by met him, I mean, I'm, I spoke with him the one time, uh, but I was in the theater where he came and did like speeches. Um, the first time was I was just going, I just moved to Vancouver and I went to the famous Rio theater uh, where they were showing possession, like the Sam Neill. Oh, that's film. so cool. Yeah. And he was there with, uh, with his wife, Kate Seagal. And, uh, cause they were filming the fall of house of usher at the time. I also, mm-hmm. I don't think I mentioned midnight mass. Yeah. He did midnight mass as well, which is one of my favorite things he's done. Um, but yeah. And then the second time was he was showing, they were doing, Oh wait, I've seen him three times. Because the second time he did a double feature of uh, Kubrick's The Shining and Doctor Sleep, he did like Q and A's in between each movie, mm-hmm. and then the last time was uh, him, Katie Segal, That's and cool. Carla Gugino were in attendance for Gerald's Game. Really interesting listening to this guy talk. He's obviously made a huge name for himself, but this was like a micro budget indie that was crowdfunded through Kickstarter, which is a very interesting to thing to talk about on this show, but. Uh, The synopsis is a woman and her sister begin to link a mysterious tunnel to a series of disappearances, including that of her own husband. So this is a movie that uh, like, you know, I'm a huge fan of Mike Flanagan. I pretty much I like everything that the guys ever put out. Uh, But Boozy, you were the one who put this one forward. What made you want to choose Absentia to talk about on the show? Um, So this is only my second time seeing Absentia. And the first time was, oh gosh, this was pre-podcast. So like maybe 2013 or 14. And I just remember a couple scenes in this particularly having an impact where I remembered them, you know, right up until today. And I guess it was just recently thinking about, you know, we've been talking about ghosts and spooky stuff lately, but just thinking about it lately. And funny enough, it also, so I guess where I'm going with this is I really like movies that do a good job of using a space or a couple spaces and not really adding anything within them, but just using them and crafting this tension within them, you know? So we have two areas in this being the, um, the tunnel and then also the stairway that just, Oh, actually, you know what? There's three, because I would also consider the, um, the curtains, the bathroom curtains. Mm -hmm. 
so all three of those, they do a really good job of using these spaces and crafting this tension within them. And just overall, I think that you're, when I, you know, watching this, you see a lot of what the mechanics of what makes a good director and what makes Mike Flanagan a good director. But I guess overall where I'm going with this is I think that there's um, a really cool little film in this. And also the story is very, very interesting. I, I love this idea of, um, you know, having absentia as not just like the literalness of it, but the figurativeness of, uh, you know, ha- not being able to, you know, grieve properly just with you know, you don't always get to say goodbye to somebody in the proper way or how you'd like to. So just there's a lot of layers to that. It's got a little bit of, of Shrekness to it. But overall, I, I love, yeah, like I had said, I, I love um, stories or movies that can use spaces as a creepy space without having to fill it with any sort of jump scares. You know, I, I think um, another like Blair Witch Project is is great job with stuff like that. Um, mm-hmm. The hell house llc has you know that stairwell and that is still one of the fucking scariest things just you know just walking down it when they go into that so overall i i think that i just wanted to and i really wanted to hear what you thought about this because i think between the two of us you're you're a huge flanagan fan and like i i like some of the stuff he's done but i haven't followed all of it but yeah just you know, like I think recently it was Gerald's game that I really liked from him, but yeah. I haven't been able to check out like a lot of the other stuff that he's done. Um, so yeah, yeah I guess I, I really just wanted to see where you were coming at with it as well. Yeah, I I love this recommendation for so many reasons. Um, like because obviously it's we've talked about the guy so much on the show. He's one of my biggest mm. influences, and seeing his movies, it's the type of thing where um it's like what I want to do. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like when you see a a filmmaker that is doing something that really speaks to you personally, I love, I love his stories and I love his attention to the small minute details in these little grim tales. And Mm -hmm. none of them, like none of his movies are body count movies. Even his slasher hush is not a body count movie at all. It's like such an interesting slasher movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it all stems back, like, I'm just going to quickly share a story, which I don't think I ever have on the show. But like, in 2013, I was going to, there was so many years, like over a decade where I was just going to every single movie that came out, especially horror movies for better or worse. I was seeing stuff in the theater, like The Devil Inside, which really choked me. I went and saw it in theaters too. Yeah. And then I would see stuff that completely came out of nowhere that blew my mind, or I'd go see stuff that looked so bad. And then turned out to be great. And the greatest example of that is Oculus for me. I remember Mm -hmm. hearing the name Oculus. It sounded dumb to me. I was a 23-year-old kid at the time. Essentially, at 23, I still consider myself a kid. Um, And not to mention that, no disrespect to you and the wrestling community, but it was a WWF movie or WWE movie. So mm-hmm. I was like, how good is this going to be? No, I get it. It has that kind of like a little bit of stink on it. I yeah. get it. But Oculus absolutely fucking floored me. Until this day, I consider it one of my biggest inspirations, especially for the film I'm working on now. I'll openly admit it that Oculus is a movie I've studied like crazy. And I'll never forget when I went and saw that movie with my partner at the time, we walked into that movie not expecting anything and walked out just fucking rocked. Like it was like, oh my God, that was so the good. Best feeling. And like, yeah and like the ending was so fucking rank and i was like this is what it's all about baby like i was not expecting Mm -hmm. a wwe movie to give me the feelings that i got when i walked out of oculus 
And I still consider it one of my favorites of his movies. And I love everything that the guy's done. But I liked it so much that I was like, I want to find out everything about this director who I'd never heard of. Didn't know who that. Mike Flanagan was. Let's get and, obsessive. Yeah. But I was like, at that time, Absentia was the only other movie. So I remember even at that time, 2013, I couldn't find a copy of it anywhere. So I had to pirate it. Like I'm openly admitting that's what we did because we needed to like, I wanted to see it. And then seeing that it's like this micro budget indie, um, even at that time, like I really liked Absentia. Like it really, it got to me at the time. And I was like, you know, what I took away at that time in 2013 was, oh, this is very much like the movie that someone who would go on to make Oculus would make. But rewatching on this, this viewing, man, like this movie has climbed so far in my esteem. Like I'm so happy. Like I've always spoken well of Absentia, but it was this time where I was like, holy shit. Like it's such a tight little indie movie. And if you look at it just from a script perspective, from the concept, like you said, the Shrek thing, like it's such a small concept that has so many layers that you can, that you can unfold and peel back and mm -hmm. he leaves no stone unturned in this thing. And that's something I'm, I'm happy. I revisited now 10 years later, like it's been 10 years since I've seen Absentia and it really worked on me way way more this time around and if you're an independent filmmaker or someone who wants to be an independent film filmmaker and absentia doesn't inspire the shit out of you i don't know what to tell you because it's like it's so cool what they were able to do with so little and knowing that like these were all just like basically friends and you can mm -hmm. tell like it's this thing wasn't filmed by uh like it, it's not like a, the cinematography is not the shining star of absentia and uh, if you're interested and you like the movie, I highly recommend going on YouTube and you can find like all the special features on there. There's a little half an hour documentary about the making of it. And it's so fascinating to see how the movie came together, how they crafted this. Like it's a tight hour and a half. I love knowing that the first cut was like an hour and 36 or something and they only cut five minutes out of it. And it's uh -huh. like that's so unheard of for, you know, people in the indie world. And it is very much an independent movie. And I think that's why it's not going to work for a lot of people is that it doesn't have the lavish aesthetic that we, you know, you can find when you go to the theater. But if you just want to see like a really cool idea, that's really well executed for with what they had. Absentia is one of the best examples. It's a really creepy, haunting and beautiful movie. No, you're you're that's kind of what I was talking about before is that and you're 100% right is that watching this. Yeah, you're not getting. Uh, maybe the production quality, like a, a lot of this, you, you can tell there's no lighting, you know, or it's natural yeah. lighting and you just have to go with that. And, but it's, it's the, the mechanics are there and it's the, the storytelling and the, you're right because for it being this small indie film, it goes so in depth. Like uh, I think it's super ambitious having all the cop stuff and you know, that is, mm -hmm. that can be a tough one. And I, I think that sometimes there is that little bit of a, like, if you're making a student film, it has to, you know, be like a cop drama, like a, it has to be a Tarantino. What's in the what's in the suitcase kind yeah. of deal? Yeah, you know, like that's it's kind of a, a trope or whatever. But I, I think that they did such a good job of having all those elements and it being for the most part, like decent and believable. I, I thought that 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 having all those extra layers was really nice. And then maybe having kind of a they had like that switcheroo at one point where they were like imagining other scenarios. I, I think that was kind of 
the ending that I really liked about that because uh, it has a very dark ending. But oh, yeah. I, I kind of like the the pre-ending where they're just uh, speculating like these outcomes that could have happened mm-hmm. or, or how, th- you know, like it, it's kind of dreamy, but also like really depressing because like one, like the lady's getting strangled to death. Oh, that's what I love so much about Mike Flanagan's work is that like he has some of the bleakest endings I've ever seen. Oculus being like one of them, like that mm-hmm. ending is fucking rank. But like you said, that's something I pointed out watching absentia again is it's like i never realized that he's done this forever like this is kind of just Uh this brand where there's an ending and then there's the real ending there's the ending it's like okay well where do we think this is gonna go and then we always end up for the most part aside from uh there's a couple examples in his later half of his career where it does feel kind of cathartic and um you know for lack of better words beautiful Uh but Uh i i find so much beauty in bleakness like I yes. like because especially when it's a ghost story like this or like Oculus, it's like it kind of I feel like it's, you know, he's the only architect of this. Like he's the one who knows where the story needs to go. And I there, there's something about ghost stories and really dark endings that just work perfectly. Mm-hmm. And uh, this this one does it really well. I and I also I love all the extra lore that they give you for this, even down to like. They're talking about how the, this tunnel used to be this, and then it used mm-hmm. to be this before. Like, th- spoon feed me that shit. I I think that's amazing. And it's sometimes the easiest things are the scariest. Uh, the the best. I I think the scariest scene in this, and the best one is when they're about the the sisters are about to go up the stairs, and they hear that like that bug monster sound yeah, yeah. in the dark. And then it's just that over the shoulder shot and it's just slowly, you know, it's pushing slowly in, yeah. pushing in. Yeah. It's, it's terrifying. And he holds it for just long enough in that dark where you are fucking like, you know, you're in your seat. So yeah, there's so many great mechanics to this and scares. I had a couple other notes of things I really liked about this. Um, I, I think that uh, going, kind of going back to him doing a good job of using spaces to be scary. How many movies have we horror movies, uh, action movie, blah, 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 have used the the shower curtain, you know, what's behind the shower curtain? Because oh, that's yeah. a built in fear for everybody. This this indie film does such a good job. The curtains aren't even scary, but it's just he crafts this really, you know, it makes you terrified of the curtain. And mm-hmm. there's so many films that, you know, like huge mega budget films that try and do the same sort of thing and they can't pull it off the same way. They give it yeah. too much room to breathe. They make it too big. They this spend was... so much time on it. Yeah. That's yeah. something I really picked up on this time too, is like the huge difference between Mike Flanagan and why he's become so su- successful as you can tell he's a genuine fan. Yeah. And like genuine fans, they, they're like us, you know, where we know every single trope in the book. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of like, especially I read so many screenwriting books and like watch screenwriting YouTubes. And but, like to me, one of the dumbest things you can ever say is write what you know. Uh, mm-hmm. Like That's just lazy and dumb. It's like, no, if you're a writer, you can write. If you're a good writer, you learn how to write from any perspective. <laughs> yeah, but, and it's kind of like, can't you have an imagination outside of like which, what yeah, you see directly in front of you? It's some like, of the dumbest, yeah, dumbest uh, advice. How does sci-fi exist? <laughs> exactly. No, it, it's it's ridiculous. But and yeah, so but like that's the thing is like we've seen like the all of these tropes and we know what to expect, and he knows mm-hmm. that we know what to expect as an audience. And being able to subvert it, that's what keeps it fresh. That's what yep. makes horror evolve. 
And like, that's what I'm trying to do. That's what I think everyone who wants to make horror movies is trying to do is like, you find the stuff, the tried and true stuff that works and then find a way to make it your own and do it a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes you revert to what everyone's expecting because then it's going to get their guard down when the time for the real big daddy comes in. And like, I love that about filmmaking. Like that's something that, you know, inspires the shit out of me. And there's so many moments in this movie specifically. There's so much like, cause the last time I saw this movie was after I saw Oculus 10 years ago. And now I've obsessed over his other movies and I've gotten to see the filmmaker he would become. And he's one of the giants now. I need and, to see Oculus. I, I remember not liking it the first time I watched it. I think I need to go back and watch it again. You should. I think you dig that one. Um, yeah, it's it's really fun. And also the Oculus mirror, the lasser glass, is in Absentia. It's mm. in yeah, it's in like all of his movies and somewhere. Uh, but that's the the thing is like watching it again this time, I really got to see like, man, this guy loves Stephen King. And mm-hmm. then to know that he went on to be, he's now one of the biggest calling cards for Stephen King. He's one of the go-to dudes to make yeah. Stephen King. Like he's going to be doing the Dark Tower series. He did Gerald's Game, which is a, like banger, widely not like uh, lauded as an unfilmable movie, and he crushed it. That movie's great. And it, Doctor not Sleep, even just for for what it is, it's like one of the best Stephen King adaptations. It is. It is. And honestly, like I remember <clears throat> one of the biggest regrets I have on this show, but it's also, you know, own your own shit. But like when I first saw Dr. Sleep, I, I was struggled. I struggled with it so much. And now I yeah, consider, you didn't like it. No. And now I consider it one of my favorite horror movies ever. Like there mm-hmm. are days where I'm like, like when I saw it back to back with Kubrick's like, don't get me wrong. Kubrick Shining is always going to be one of the greats. But what really shocked me on that double feature is like how fucking good and how close to a masterpiece dr sleep is like dr sleep has so much amazing stuff in it and it's you can tell he's a student of stephen king one of the greatest authors of horror tales of all time Mm -hmm. and uh i love i love like discovering those little like even in oculus there's a scene where uh one of the characters reading a dark tower book and it's like, man, this guy must I love those little details. Yeah. Doing backflips on his bed knowing he went on to direct Doctor Sleep. Fucking, yeah. He's doing the Dark Tower series. Like, goddamn, I love to see a success story like that. That's that's interesting. I wonder what the rules are for in terms of showing like media in terms of books. Oh, there's to... there's a lot. That's a big part of my job. Like it's yeah. it's tough. Because I, I know how it is with like showing like movies being played or Mm -hmm. also music being played but i always wondered about how books would work i guess it would be something there are a lot of independent movies out there that you will never see because they that was an oversight on their side and they can't get around it and if they cut scenes that had those references the film doesn't make sense and it's really sad to see but that's a part of filmmaking um which i knew nothing about two years ago when i made my first i knew nothing about that so yeah not saying that I'm smarter than anyone. It's just like, holy fuck, that's something I learned. It's, um, it's all the things you don't think about, right? Yeah. Yeah. But there's a lot of movies that reference, like they like think about like Scream. I can't imagine what the clearances costed on that movie. Yeah. Like I know a lot of them were new line movies that they were referencing, but it's it's crazy. But uh, uh, you just reminded me of something that I have to trace back when you're talking about like getting clearances and stuff. I was really taken back that they had Sia playing in um, Talk to Me. Yeah, they got they got that 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 movie. Like uh, yeah, like the 
it's it's really fucked sometimes when I, I watch movies and I'm I'm trying to enjoy like the actual story and then yeah like a scene like where they're singing Sia which was such a great and wholesome scene but then part of my brain's like fuck they got money for this like you don't just not, hear Sia <laughs> yeah not everyone's like us though or that like luckily that's what makes a movie magic because people are going in to just experience them they're not thinking about the logistics the way that we do yeah because then but I'm I, also going like dude that's chandelier that's not even like it's yeah. not even a b-side that's a big one <laughs> but that's the thing too is like if you're Sia and someone like a24 who has this reputation now wants and they can sell you like it's not gonna we're not gonna be having a scene where they're sitting around shitting on Sia that's mm-hmm. when you don't have the money to fucking pull it off. But it's like, you know, if you're Sia and what the like A24, who's taken over the the indie world of like these types of films, like they're yeah. they're going to jump to be like, no, just fucking take it. It's all yours. Like that's yeah. that's the difference is if you can use it in a, a flattering way that, you know, they're, they, I can't tell you how many times I've worked on on movies where they're like, all right, well, they're shitting on. For example, this has never happened, but I'm using it as an example. Swiss Chalet. It's like Swiss Chalet is never going to say, yeah, go ahead. You're just shitting on our brand the whole time. Fucking yeah. great, dude. All our yours. food does suck. <laughs> You're yeah. right. It's like it doesn't work that way. But uh, but that's what makes it absentia so, so like inspiring. And I man, man I, you're it, so good at those. Man, it's you're not. Oh. What's that? that? So good. That was such a good transition. I'm sorry. You, <laughs> you're so good at those. Continue. Thank you. Uh, no, I just like it. It's I one thing I would regret about this is especially like, you know, the podcast started off as us just being fans. And now we're both filmmakers and wanting to do this stuff as we do talk about the process. And I don't want that to borrow bore people because we are just talking about the movie. The movie is a movie. It's just it's a really tight story. It's a really yeah. tight little it's, indie. Movie. It's hard to not marvel and be impressed by these yeah. things and, and point them out in a nerdy way, I guess. So like if those are things you don't enjoy, I'm sorry. Um, I will say as as far as story wise, I, I wanted to get back to this at some point because I didn't remember the scene the first time I watched it, but seeing it this time really fucking creeped me out is when they're kind of doing like the pretty woman, like they're getting dressed up and like, ooh, what should I wear for my date? And then there's just the fucking head right beside oh, the yeah. Oh man, I don't know if I like missed that the first time I watched it, but seeing it this time fucked me up. I actually was like, holy shit. Yeah. Um, it's that's the thing is it's a really slow burn movie that isn't going to work for a lot of people so like yeah. let that be known like this is the type of movie that like you'll know probably within 20 minutes if this is going to be your jam or not right but it is like really clever with its scares and it's not your generic horror movie like it's it's not built on jump scares it's built on dread mm-hmm. and like one of my favorite parts of the movie is when uh shout out doug jones like they got doug, doug jones, jones. <laughs> doug jones um but like when she finds him in the tunnel and he's like on the ground recoiling and she says she's speaking to him he's like wait wait you can see me you can see me i'm like oh my god it got me so fucking rock hard Mm because i was like that's such a good idea like you know i love it so yeah um and i will mention this i i hope this doesn't make anybody angry but um i i think that at this point like I, I assume that all filmmakers at a certain point just want people to see their films. And I am assuming that Mike Flanagan doesn't think too much about absentia other than fond memories. You know, I don't think yeah. he's worrying too much about it. So I'm just going to flat out say that this has been on YouTube for a decade. 
Yeah, this is where this is where I watched it. And I'm pretty sure this is where I watched it the first time. And like Mitch was talking about, like regretting or, you know, talking about like at some point, like downloading stuff. I, we, we all fucking did it at some point because we really wanted to see something we really liked. And we were so in Canada. I, we couldn't get locked up for doing it. <laughs> exactly. We, we could download can. a spaghetti if we wanted to. <laughs> but would you? We wouldn't download a spaghetti. It depends. Um, is it a fettuccine? <laughs> so I guess I guess what I wanted to say with that is like if if you wanted to check it out and you're having trouble finding it because like Mitch said this isn't something that's readily available in a lot of places I didn't even um, like I'm not sure where it all is available but just yeah. to have that you know I I think that is in a weird way it's it's kind of endearing to just be like hey this is out there for people to watch because that mm-hmm. you know yeah that doesn't always happen and I I. I don't know if maybe it's tacky when I mention that, like when films are, because I always it's also like I don't find them on the weird ones that are in like a foreign language where the account was made like two days ago and you know it's going to get taken down right away. It's like, uh, you know, when I watch horror movies on YouTube, they're ones that have been there for years. If someone wanted to strike them, they would have a long time ago. So it's just like get out and enjoy these if you can, because they're, you know. It's it's cool to see the I I don't know that sorry that's a long winded way to just be like I think it's people on would appreciate just yeah watching it and it's on yeah. YouTube but that's the thing is like Doctor Sleep isn't on YouTube and if it was I would tell I, and you were considering watching I'd tell you to grow up and buy the Blu-ray or rent it wherever no it and is. that's a difference that's yeah, completely like, that's different. a big studio movie the Absentia was made for fifteen thousand dollars. Like th- that was just like the making of the movie, but then I know they had to collect some funds, like on the back end, on the all the post production and like the distribution, all that stuff. Also, fun little fact that I didn't know about, I realized when I was watching the credits this time, Aaron Moorhead was the colorist on this movie. It's like Justin really? Benson and Aaron Moorhead, yeah. So that was really cool, just seeing indie bros helping indie bros. Um, but the other thing, That's like, funny. yeah, Mike's Mike's doing just fine. Yeah, uh, Mike. Sorry, yeah. acting like I'm friends with them. No, Mike Flanagan is doing just fine, yeah. and uh, he doesn't do need know, the Absentia DVD, you know, scrapings to go into the dirty goss that people know about the terror table. Though, did you know that uh, one the main one of the main characters in the movie, Trisha, played by Courtney Bell, the pregnant woman, that was Mike Flanagan's girlfriend at the time, and that was Mike Flanagan's baby. Really? Yeah, and they had it. It's a it's a real baby. That's you know what? That's also sure, very yeah. endearing. Like yeah. good for you know, she should get a gold medal, not only mm-hmm. like starring in her you She's know good. boyfriend husband's yeah, like doing a good job and also being fucking pregnant and having to deal with all that shit. That would be yeah. the stress I could not imagine. Yeah, and I just think like as a kid, like I'm sure I, I have no idea how the kid responds to it, but it'd be kind of cool to be like, Oh, there's me. Well, I'm the baby in the belly. Uh, it's it's kind of like being like the Nirvana baby. It's like I don't remember this, but there's my dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! Did that guy try and sue them though? Yes, he tried to sue them. Yeah, what it was this fucking... whole fucking thing. Yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah, that's uh, the the one last thing I'll say about it because I I do really like this movie. And um, while I wouldn't say that this is something you need to run out and watch, no. uh, it is like if you're a fan of that like really independent style film where you know it's just a good story and you know people just trying to make a movie this this is one worth checking out but i do know notoriously the dvd art was ripped from mike flanagan's hands for this movie and if you see like i know it it was on uh tubi forever it was on there for a long time but if you look it up like all of the artwork you'll see for absentia looks fucking terrible 
And it's like, I remember hearing him talk. I think it was on postmortem with Mick Garris. Uh, he was saying, he's just like, yeah, the woman on the cover who's being like dragged into the tunnel. It's like, looks nothing like any of the characters in the movie. And it's like, it just doesn't make any sense. But that's unfortunately a part of the industry, uh, yeah. especially when you have like such a micro budget movie and you're just trying to get it out there. It was there's, definitely yeah, there's only so much you can you can do with that. Yeah, there's some cool artwork from like original Absentia posters mm-hmm. that look pretty all right. Did you um, see the um, I don't know how these bastards keep doing it, but there's always cool German version artwork for stuff. Um, I, if there's one for Absentia, I there seen is it. there is. It looks really cool. Um, I can't remember. It's is it like region B when they do the the alternates or whatever? Mm-hmm. Um man there's like there's this fucking sorry this is a weird offshoot for this but there's a there's a german version of bad moon that has alternate artwork that i want so fucking bad and it's like why it's the german version it's it's literally just the the baddest moon oh dude the artwork is just so good and it's like why is it only available in germany yeah anyway that's my my spiddly spiel i'm i'm really glad that we did this episode i was I, I was interested to see if you would have shot it down right away. I'd be like, no, I don't think we should like do an episode on this. No, if but, anything, like, it made oh. me want to do all of his movies, but I know we can't, <laughs> we can't commit to something that big. That's with huge. our schedules. Yeah, yeah. Our schedules, it just doesn't work. Um, but yeah, I just, I, I, I'm glad that we, we checked this out and got to talk about it because I think there was, uh, obviously we've had, a long discussion about it. There's a lot to say about this, and uh, yeah. it just goes to show that it, we're, we've watched Mike Flanagan grow up right in front of, glow up right in front of us. We've watched the glow up, yeah. And yeah. that's what's crazy is like I would still probably rank this one near the bottom of his catalog, and I really like this movie. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just you know he just didn't have the resources that he has now, and he's become a better filmmaker. But the thing is, like for this being like the first movie that you're kind of known for fuck man like this is a tight little movie also it's weird to think about like uh, maybe this is my revisionist history brain but i feel like i remember mike flanagan being part of like the the next wave of big horror directors and this was like right after like hush and absentia had been you know what i mean and like he hadn't gone on to do like the big big stuff yet but Mm -hmm. it's like look at the level he's on now yeah it's unreal i can only imagine how that boy is pinching himself now like (laughs) Uh, you'll well, you'll love to see it. He was very kind like, when um, I met him too. Yeah, he had his shirt yeah. on. Did, stop. We're not doing. We're never touching that again. We're never touching that again. It's in the past. All right. All right. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, no, this is great. Boozy, do you have anything else you want to say before we close up tonight? No, I mean, if you if you want, go check out the dark or absentia. They're both on YouTube. Fucking, you know, if you want to see something different, there you go. Hell yeah. Awesome. Yeah, no, love this movie. Um, And yeah, I think we have an idea of what our next series is going to be. But I think we'll announce that on our Instagram. So if you want to check us out on, we're on Instagram, Twitter, or is it, do we, like, do we, do we call Uh, it? No, no. Let's, do we call it Twitter or do we let it die forever? Or do we... Uh, I don't know like honestly X really sucks because like I only get like I get um, governed or whatever you call I get like stuck on the same 100 posts unless you pay for it you can only see 100 posts and is that real yes I I see I didn't even know because I hate that platform so much like I'm never on that the only time I ever go on 
is to see what like the other podcasters are up to because I we yeah. follow them there and like I like seeing what all those folks are up to. But it's that or to like post our new episodes. I'm always mm-hmm. on Instagram, barely on Facebook. But yeah, we post on all three of those. Yeah. And um, uh, yeah, you can check out what I, we're going to do next. Yeah. So, I mean, um, if you think any of the films we talked about were interesting, go check those out. Um, any of the people we talked about, lots of people have awesome podcasts, you know, uh, just offhand. Go check out Daniel. He's got he's I don't know if he's still live right now. He won't be live by the time you're hearing this, but go yeah. check out his YouTube. Go check out his podcast. Yeah. Check out the Nathan yeah. Jones show where you're going to get to hear boozy in a couple of weeks here. Yeah. And yeah, lots of more fun stuff happening on the terror table in the future. Like I said, follow us on socials. We'll post what we're going to do. We have an idea what our next series is going to be. That's going to be a fun one. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. Boozy, any closing thoughts for the teabags? Mm, goodbye. Ciao. Have a good night. Have a good sleep. Good morning. Oh, ciao. I like that. Yeah, see you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye. Bye. <laughs>